made in the UK for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Have I got a cracker of a show for you this week? Here's what's coming up. Can't really turn around to your staff and say, well, I'm sorry, guys, we're not getting paid for 60 days on this. Can you wait until the end of next month and we'll pay you double? We're also going to be talking about how something called the profit matrix completely, totally changes the profit situation in any IT support business. And I'm going to be answering a question later on about how long you should be spending on LinkedIn every single day. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. One of the things that I'm most proud of when I greet new people into my house is my book collection. So we've got so many books as a family that we actually converted one of our spare rooms into a library, which sounds grand, but it's just a whole load of bookshelves. And we have, I mean, we must have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books. My nine-year-old has an entire bookcase to herself. Um, I've got a couple of bookcases. In fact, I've got books sort of almost in every single room of the house. And mine tend to be more business and marketing books because for many, many years, I've been in a pretty good habit of reading a book a week. Got to be honest, actually, the last few years, it's been more listening to books than reading books. Audible, it's such a low investment of about seven, eight pounds, probably, I'd guess, around the same dollars each month. And you get, you know, one or two or three books a month, depending on which package you subscribe to. So I listen to a lot of books. But if I really enjoy a book, I will go out there and buy it. And throughout the course of this podcast, however many months or years I do this podcast, I will throw out to you some of the best books that I've read, because there are some amazing books that make a real difference. I've got one that I'm going to recommend to you today. It's one of my all-time favorite business and marketing books, and it's called Influence by Dr. Robert Cialdini. Now, Dr. Cialdini is a professor of psychology based in New York, but he's dedicated his professional career to the psychology of sales and marketing. And Influence was written, I think it was sometime in the in the 1980s or early 1990s, and it's about how you can influence people to do things using a number of of different weapons. And the six weapons or the six principles of influence are reciprocity, consistency, social proof, liking, authority, and scarcity. And I'm going to go back over those and explain those in a second. You'll you'll have heard of some of these. You'll certainly have heard of social proof. In fact, I believe that Cialdini was the first person to coin the phrase social proof. Social proof describes our psychological need to do what most other people are doing. Now, not everyone acts like this, but the vast majority of us do. And it's because at our core, we are still in our brains using the programming that we had when we lived in caves 100,000 years ago. At that time, the safest thing to do was to stay with a group and stick together. Because if you're in big numbers, you are less likely to be picked off by dinosaurs or saber-toothed tigers or whatsoever. And we still have that programming today. So you'll see this happen where um, you're in a group of people and they're doing something. It's safer and easier to just go along with the group and do that. And in fact, we feel sometimes a little uncomfortable if we're doing something different to what most other people are doing. So that's what social proof is. It's why you need more testimonials. It's why you need more case studies, more videos of your clients on your website and in your marketing material talking about you and your business, because then your prospects can see that other people like them trust you. Can you see the power of that? That's the power of social proof. And by the way, if you're one of those people who thinks, oh, that that social proof, all those testimonies, it doesn't work, it might not work on you, but the vast majority of people, social proof does influence them. Let's look at Cialdini's other principles. Um, Reciprocity is one 
When you give something to someone, it sets up a need for them to reciprocate, for them to give you something back. It's why freebies work very well. Sampling, you know, if you go into a supermarket and they, they give you something for free, a little taste of something, sales of that item go up. We don't all buy it, but some of us do. And in actual fact, you know, in, in marketing terms, People have been doing sampling and uh, dropping off vouchers and all that sort of stuff for over 100 years, and it has worked consistently throughout all of that time. How you would use that in an MSP is, I mean, I'm a big fan of giving away a book. I have a book to give away, which I'm going to plug in about four minutes' time, and you're welcome to request a free copy of it. Does that set up a reciprocity? Maybe, maybe not. Is it generally just good marketing? Absolutely it is. So you would, within your MSP, you would certainly look to give away information. Consistency is another one of Cialdini's uh, principles. Consistency is where we prefer to be consistent with our own vision of ourselves. Well, here's a great example. If you've got a bit overweight and you decide to go to a gym, you're much more likely to keep going to that gym and to succeed at losing weight if you have a gym buddy. What happens is you convince yourself that you mustn't let that person down. You've got to be consistent with the declaration that you made with that person to go to the gym every day, week, whatever it is. Um, we see it where I work with uh, mastermind groups, MSP mastermind groups, where I have non-competing business owners all doing the same thing, all running IT support companies, and we have them in the room. And when people talk about that they're going to do something, whether that be fire someone or introduce a new service or whatsoever, they're much more likely to do it because they've declared it to a bunch of people, they care about their opinion, and people like to be consistent with the commitment that they have made. Then we've got another principle, that of liking Put it bluntly, if you're a likable person, you'll sell more. Because we've talked before on this podcast about how the people you want to sell to, they can't tell a good MSP from a bad MSP, not at a cognitive level. So it all comes down to an emotional decision. And when someone is more likable, when you are more likable to someone, it makes the emotional decision easier. The prospects, even the people running big companies, are picking a new MSP or not picking a new MSP based on how much they like or dislike the person. It's as simple as that. So you should be doing everything within your power to be more likable. And then the final principle of influence is uh, scarcity. And scarcity is perhaps the greatest of all of these uh, principles of influence because when there is less of something left and it, it is clearly finite and it's going to run out, we want more of it. In Easter Island, for example, where you know there's the great big Easter Island statues, um, as the resources started to dwindle and the indigenous uh, population of Easter Island faced with the inability to bring in resources from elsewhere, but their resources were going down, as the resources dwindled, they built bigger and bigger and bigger Easter Island heads. And the reason they did that was to show off to each other. And you can kind of see it now in humanity. As our resources are starting to dwindle and become more scarce, we're using more and more and more of them. And it is a human condition to do that. Now, the greatest scarcity that you've got within your MSP is, of course, that there's only a finite amount of time. And particularly as we look at something like the 2020 problem, which, of course, is coming up in January. Uh, most, of, most of that Microsoft software is expiring in January. Um, you've only got a finite amount of time between now and then to pop all those new Windows 10 computers in, to replace servers or move people to the cloud or whatever you do. And really, at this point, at this stage of the year, with that deadline so close, this is what you should be pushing the most is, hey, We've physically only got this many man hours or man days left. If you want to do this before the deadline, before this software reaches the end of life, you need to make a decision now. We can do it for you in January or February, but you're at risk of being breached because, of course, your software will be out of life. 
If you only read one business book a year, this is the book you really should read. It's Influence by Dr. Robert Cialdini, an absolutely top read and so, so handy in your business's marketing as well. Here's this week's clever idea. I'm yet to meet an MSP owner who doesn't want more net profit out of the business. Net profit being, of course, the bottom line figure that's yours. You pay your tax on it, and then that's yours to take out and spend. And the quickest way to grow net profit in any MSP is to use something called the profit matrix. Now, the profit matrix is a very, very simple device, but it's a very powerful device because it takes information that you've already got, but it's locked up in your PSA. It extracts that information out and it puts it in a place where you and your team are kind of forced to use it every single day. So the profit matrix at its most basic is a grid. And if you imagine a grid with uh, a sort of two axes along the top, you would write the monthly recurring revenue services that you sell. And down the left hand side, you'd put your clients. And the idea is that if you've got, let's say, client one and they buy additional service number one, they buy additional service number two, but they don't buy numbers three and four. So you'd put a little dot uh, in their box. So client number one buy service one and buy service two. And then you come on to client number two. Well, they don't buy additional service number one, but they do buy number three. So you'd have a little dot in that number three. And you do that for all of your clients. And the idea is that you build up this giant board and you can physically see exactly which clients are buying which service. Now, I appreciate you have already got this in your PSA, but what we want to do is we want to extract this out, not put it in a spreadsheet, not put it up on a screen anywhere, but put it in on a board, on a physical whiteboard or on a bit of paper or draw it on a wall or something. And the beauty of this, at a glance, we can instantly see not only who's buying what, but really more importantly, who's not buying what. Because the power of the profit matrix is about having that information in front of people every single day. And there are three particular ways to use it to grow your net profit. So the first way is, and I, I would put that profit matrix in front of your technicians. Because the first thing is when they're on the phone to uh, the people that they're supporting and they're talking to them, they can literally look up and glance and see, hmm, is client number 17 buying service three? Let's have a look. No, they're not. And they can start conversations with the clients like, do you know what? We do actually have a premium service that would stop this kind of thing from happening and it would just take all of this away. Is it something you want me to get one of my team to have a chat with you about? Because we all know getting technicians to actually sell over the phone is pretty hard, um, but it is certainly a lot easier to get them to generate leads, generate opportunities and pass them to someone within the business to follow them up. And again, I know that information's there in the PSA. And believe me, I've had so many discussions and debates with IT owners about, well, why would I want to replicate this information or pull it out of the PSA? Even though it's in the PSA, it's not presented in exactly the same way. Even when it's on a, an Excel spreadsheet, it's not presented in the same way. There is something magical and physical, and it just brings it alive when you physically put it on a wall. So that's your first opportunity. You get your technicians to just look and to think and to refer for sales. Now, the second opportunity to grow the profit matrix is when you do strategic reviews with clients. I'm a big fan of strategic reviews. We'll cover off exactly how a strategic review should go in a future podcast. But I believe when you sit down with your clients and you have a review of them, of course, you're not looking backwards at tickets and stuff. You're looking forwards at their business. What's going to happen in their business in the next six to 12 months? And the more and more and more you get them talking about their business, the more chances there are for you to sell them 
a monthly recurring revenue service that will help them, that will help them grow, have less pain and avoid problems, which is what everyone wants. Now that profit matrix becomes something that you study before you go out. Because for example, if you know by looking at the profit matrix, you can see, hmm, We've got basic backup, uh, but they, they don't have the premium backup. We don't have any kind of on-prem backup. So the speed would be an issue if we had to restore. And then you can look at the security services and it gives you an idea of where you want to steer the conversation. Because of course, you know, strategic review, you wouldn't jump in and just be as unsubtle as, oh, I notice you haven't got the premium backup. But you might, for example, ask them a series of open-ended questions about um, the speed of recovery. If a computer died, and it took six hours to recover the data and restore that to a new computer, how much of a problem would that be? And even that's a bit of a blunt question, but you get the idea. So when you know what they're not buying, you can take the conversation off down those lines. And I have clients that have generated 40,000 pounds and more of new recurring revenue every single month, just from existing clients, just using this profit matrix in exactly the way I've just talked about it there, that you get the technicians to generate opportunities and pass them up the chain. And then of course you act on them quickly and taking clients for strategic reviews. Now the third opportunity to grow the profit matrix is very simply to extend the number of services and you add more monthly recurring revenue services. I have a client who has more than 100 uh, recurring revenue services, which is uh, quite a lot to keep up with. There's lots of different options in there, of course. Uh, but you know, most of my clients, when they do these profit matrix, they realize that actually they could add a premium service for this, or they could add a bit of that, or they could add something else. And often it's just different flavors of the same thing. But remember, clients like choice. Some people will always buy the best option just because it's available. And sometimes we don't realize that we don't have those best options available. So the profit matrix is such a powerful tool. But remember, the key to making it work is you've got to get it off a screen and you've got to get it onto a wall somewhere. It's a bit of a fun project to do. It becomes something that you really should be spending time on every day. And the reward for this is just more money for you to spend on you and your family. Paul's blatant plug. Earlier on, when I was talking about the great business book called Influence by Robert Cialdini, I said that I've got a book and it's called Updating Servers Doesn't Grow Your Business. Now, I wrote it about two, three years ago. It's absolutely designed for the owners of IT support businesses. And as the title suggests, it's really it's kind of like a manifesto, a treaty for you spending more time working on your business than you do working in your business, because that's really the only way to grow the business. Um, we talk in that book about how to get more new clients, how to spend more time with your family and how to go and take more holidays or just do more of the stuff that you enjoy doing. The good news is I have free copies of this book to give away, loads of free copies. Now, if you're in the UK, which is where I'm based, I will physically post you a paperback copy of this book completely free. Anywhere else in the world, I'll just give you a, a PDF copy of that book. I hope you understand that's just to keep our postage costs under control. If you want to get that free copy, the link's in the show notes, or you can just go to paulgreensmspmarketing.com forward slash podcast book. That's paulgreensmspmarketing.com forward slash podcast book. The big interview. My name's uh, Robert Bowden. Um, I run a firm of accountants called Brooklyn's Accountants, uh, and we specialise in dealing with uh, MSPs and fast-growing businesses. Now, Rob's actually my accountant, and over the years I've introduced him to so many MSPs that he has developed a speciality of being an MSP accountant. 
And I asked Rob about the common problems that MSPs encounter as they're growing their business. And one of the common problems is that growth is expensive. So on the surface, an MSP can be doing very well, but actually underneath, the growth is really starting to hurt them in some way. The strain of growth is, um, is a different animal to the strain of not having enough work. Um, so not having enough work, you can actually soldier on for quite a while um, because you've, uh, you, you ultimately you can borrow your money from the VAT, you can borrow your money from the tax man, and these are all guys who need paying periodically. But their terms of contract tend to be much longer than suppliers or staff. Um, so people who tend to grow very quickly um, tend to have two resources. They tend to need to buy in hardware, which they're reselling, or they tend to need to buy in uh, labour and skill charges, which are then recharged out. Uh, both of these guys tend to want paying before you start receiving the money. So the consequence can be is you do a lot more work um, before you get paid, but you've actually got a lot more costs that are involved, and this can suck money out of the system very, very quickly. So when you start working with an MSP, what do you suggest that they put in place in order that they don't over overgrow, grow too fast and find themselves in a, in a bad cash situation? Well, a funny thing for an accountant to say is but I've never been a fan of working out 12-month projections um, because ultimately things can change very, very quickly. So what we'd ultimately recommend is probably looking ahead three to six months, um, working out what's coming up, working out um, simple things like your due dates for your VAT, due dates for your corporation tax, um, working out the implications of if you do take on a member of staff and um, what happens if someone takes three months to pay you? Um, how far have you actually got to bridge this? And it's working out what the working cash flow cycle is, what you ultimately need in reserve to be able to work your way through what is going to happen as you grow. Um, and as I said, you start seeing that outflow of cash from the system, you've, you've got to manage that through. So it's very much a case of looking ahead probably month to month, but also taking a slightly longer term view over the next three to six months and just working out what happens if you are as successful as you expect to be. And what are the symptoms that a business is starting to get into trouble, if you like, the early warning signs? Early warning signs tend to be that um, you're making a lot more profit, but you seem to have no cash. That's one of the most common questions we're asked is, um, if, we're, if we're earning all this money, where is it? Um, quite often it tends to be tied up in your debtors um, and in other people's bank accounts. Um, and the signs that will start to come through is, A, you have cash in the bank, but you start to notice your cash balance going down. And then when you start to find things like your VAT bill starts to come along, you start to find that actually it's, it's higher than you expect it to be. And it also becomes a bit more of a struggle to find it. And these things gradually build over a period of time until uh, eventually you get a VAT bill through that you, you can't necessarily afford to pay. Or you find that you can't pay your suppliers quickly enough to get the equipment that you need uh, to be able to do a job further on down the line. So I've always thought that the MSP model was the best model in the world because you've got all of this monthly recurring revenue coming in and you know, you've got huge retention with your clients. But do you see, from the MSPs that you work with, do you see that actually, is, is it the projects that causes problems? Is it, is it the, as, as the clients are expanding and spending so much money, is that where the issues lie? Well, yeah, I mean, I suppose it's much like accountancy in that model in that well, you have your recurring income, which is your standard, your core base, your contracts. It's nice recurring income that generates each month for you. But let's just say you're a fast growing MSP and you decide to take on a project that is £50,000. It's going to cost you £30,000 for the equipment and £20,000 for your guys. The odds are you're going to have to pay for that £30,000 worth of equipment quicker than you can get paid by your customer for it because your customer is typically going to be a larger customer. They're going to be expected to be paying on 60 or 90 days. Whereas once you've expanded out and you've started taking more from your supplier, they're going to expect payments on 30 because their risk's increasing because they're selling you more equipment. Likewise, you can't really turn around to your staff and say, well, I'm sorry, guys, we're not getting paid for 60 days on this. Can you wait until the end of next month and we'll pay you double? Um, it simply doesn't work that way. So you have all these costs incurred in there. What, there are many things that you can do to manage that, though, and ensure that your cash flow faces a much smoother progress through it. Okay, final question, Rob. If there was one thing that you wished all of your MSP clients did, what would that one thing be? 
the one thing that I'd ask or say to all MSP clients is that not all growth is good growth. Um, once you have a team of people, once you have a, a fully functioning business and you've reached a certain size and you've continued to grow, what you suddenly have is a cost of overhead. And there's always a danger that you'll go chasing turnover rather than profit at that point. The one thing I'd like to any MSP, any business ultimately is, is the best advice we can do is try and match your income to your expenditure. It's try and get some money up front because at the end of the day, you're undertaking all of the risk. You're taking all of the risk with these guys, um, with big customers. Manage the risk. Ask them for a deposit. Ask them to match your payment terms on what's going on here. Try and match the income to the expenditure and, and don't confuse all growth as being good growth. Unless you manage it, it's going to cause you an exponential number of problems in the future. Okay, thank you, Rob. How can we get in touch with you? If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can go to our website, which is www.mspaccountant.com. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Ask Paul anything. Hi, my name is Kevin Ackland from Systems and Solutions in Whitney. I've got a question. Uh, Could you tell me how long you should be spending on LinkedIn every single day? Thanks, Kevin. I think the key thing there is doing something every single day because LinkedIn is such a powerful platform for MSPs right around the world, but only if you work it properly. And I think 20 to 30 minutes every single day would make you, well, it would change everything with LinkedIn because there are three things you want to be doing. There's connect, content and call, connecting to more and more people and just growing your network, which is easier done on a daily basis than trying to do a great big chunk once a week. Then you've got content, so just putting content on, sharing things, because uh, LinkedIn these days is a much more like Facebook. It's a much more content-driven platform. And then you've got call, which is just shaking your tree, working your network, literally picking up the phone and calling people and treating it not as cold calling, it's slightly warmer calling because you are connected to these people in this network. If you can do 30 minutes every day, which is you know two and a half hours a week, which works out at 10 hours a month, which works out at you know over 100 hours a year just on LinkedIn, then that becomes a very powerful source of activity, of marketing activity, and a very powerful place for prospects to come from. Now, if you personally just don't have the time for this, or you just don't have the passion, then this is something that can be either insourced or outsourced. You can either get someone within the business to do this for you. So they would do it in your name, because you you always want the, the LinkedIn activities to be done in the name of the owner. That's primarily a protective thing. You don't want one of your employees spending two years building up their own personal LinkedIn profile and then leaving because they'll be taking all of that hard work with them. So whoever's doing it, it should always be done in the name of the owner. You could either get someone in the business to do this for you, or you could outsource it. And there are plenty of people out there. There might be a a VA, a virtual assistant in your area that could do this for you. You might find someone on Fiverr with two R's, fiverr.com or peopleperhour.com. The principle being there's always more people out there looking for this kind of work than there is that amount of work available. Just just make sure before you give that person your logins to LinkedIn, you just need to make sure you know who that person is and that you trust them. 30 minutes on LinkedIn can change everything in just a few months. How to contribute to the show. So whether you've been listening for a while now or this is your first listen to my podcast, I'd love to hear your feedback. You can drop me an email anytime. Hello at paulgreensmspmarketing.com. Coming up next week. In terms of security, I'm sleeping way better at night because I'm no longer worrying about if a client gets breached and they start threatening us with court action. That's Andrew Erdley. He's an MSP owner, just like you. And he's developed a set of tools that you can use to make life easy for your technicians and also generate some more valuable monthly recurring revenue. 
I'm also going to be telling you about something that you can embed into your website, which will give you an insight into how people really use your site. In fact, it will scare you just how little they're engaging with your stuff. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.